Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mentality Unchained. I'm Kevin Thomas, your host, the therapist. Uh, you know, I'm always looking for different ways to understand the whole dynamics of mental health. And one of the uh, ways I kind of reached out to my colleagues just to kind of uh, find some new and fresh ideas. And one of my colleagues uh, gave me the name of John Hood. And here's the thing. You know, when you hear a name called John Hood, you know that that brother has to have some knowledge of something, right? Well, here's the thing. This brother is an astrophysicist, and I don't know what that is. I don't know anything about it, but he's about to tell us uh, about that today. And he's also going to talk to us a little bit about mental health as well. So without further ado, uh, welcome John Hood to the show, guys. What's up, John? what's up kevin Thank, thanks for having me man <laughs> man i appreciate you coming you know we were talking off air man we was talking about this dissertation stuff man and and, and i oh, know you man. all the way deep in it and i'm about to get ready to get started you kind of freaked me out but i ain't come <laughs> on the show to talk about that today though uh, i want to talk about you man i want to talk about what you're doing how you got into what you are doing and also uh how mental health either plays a part in your life or is involved in some of the things that you've been dealing with. So, you know, man, I appreciate you coming through. Uh, let's just chop it, let's chop it up for a second and talk about why did you get into uh, astrophysics? Oh man, so it's actually a kind of funny story of how I got actually into the field of astrophysics. So like, because of the name, like you, you can tell, like there's a lot of physics and like math involved with it. But growing up, like I actually was told and believed that I just wasn't good at math. So all the way through grade school, or high school, like I was, I was that kid that was like, you know what, I'm not good at math. I had teachers that were told me I was good with my hands. So I decided to originally take a career in engineering. And I grew up in uh, Columbus, Georgia. And the path that I was chose originally was I was going to get a two-year like machining degree at Columbus Tech and I was going to go work at Pratt & Whitney and like work on building airplane parts but things happened and the program that I was in got shut down and I ended up taking up another degree at Columbus State and entered into a similar program a two-year engineering program and while there I decided to take an astronomy course Cause it's like, yo, it's astronomy. Like I always had an interest in the field. So I was like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I can learn, learn more about space. I like, see what I can pick up. The professor that was in the class, um, Dr. Sean Cruzen, like noticed that I had what he said was a knack, like more of just a, more than just an interest in the field and approached me one day after class and was like, hey, what's, what's your major? And I was like, oh, I'm in the pre-engineering program. I'll, I'm transferring out like in a year and a half. 
he was like, oh, have you ever thought about astrophysics? And like, I audibly laughed. Like, it wasn't like a rude <laughs> laugh. It was kind of like that nervous, like, for real? Like, right, really? me, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> astrophysics? Like, come on, man. I was like, I have never taken a physics course in my life. I was like, and I'm not that good at math. Like, I'm barely good enough to like get through the stuff that we're doing in this class. Then he kind of like gave me this look like, Mm, I, don't, I don't know about that so he was like how about this I'll help you change your major you try out a couple of the courses for a semester or two and if you don't like it I'll personally put in the paperwork to change your major back wow. that was in 2010 wow. and here we are now 2022 and I'm like a couple months away from from defending my dissertation to get my PhD in the same field that I laughed about starting like 10 years ago <laughs> man hey look my mind is blown just hearing that story right because <laughs> that just don't happen i mean you yeah. okay you from columbus georgia yeah uh, and, and you're african-american and you you uh your teacher told you you were good with your hands and you say okay i'm good with my hands i'll just go to engineering school i mean that doesn't translate to me <laughs> I don't know one black astrophysicist. I don't even I'm, know a one white astrophysicist. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there are definitely a few of us out there, but it's it's not a lot. It's not a lot like comparatively wow. comparative to the rest of the field for sure. Yeah. I, I know you did say something that really just kind of like resonated with me. It's like your teacher told you that you were good with your hands. She didn't think, or he didn't think that your mind was uh, uh, strong enough or broad enough to do something of this magnitude. Yeah, I, re I remember like going to like, you know, like the high school guidance counselor, they like tell you, well, I don't, I'm not sure how it is in, like other states, but typically they say you're either college prep or tech prep. Yeah. And because I had, always believed I wasn't good at math or like science or any of those things. Like I found those topics interesting, but well, science, I always found the science interesting with the math. I was always afraid of, mm -hmm. but do you know, just like hearing that you're just like, okay, I'm just not even really going, you, you kind of give up hope on trying at it. Yeah. So like my grades in those like courses were lacking because I had no faith in myself to even really try because, you know, like the adults are telling you like, you're not good at this and then you fail a class or two and it's like oh i'm really not good at this yeah so there's no point in me even continuing trying to do anything that involves this topic right so yeah i remember she was uh, my guidance counselor was saying like oh you should look at doing a tech prep program mm -hmm. like you you're excelling in like these like the shop classes so you should you're good with your hands so you should do something with shop gotcha. and I'm like, oh, okay yeah shop's fun like i like it i enjoy doing the work like yeah cool i Sounds like a good path to me. Didn't think anything about it. <laughs> wow. So what's your, so, so John, tell the people, what's your background? Like, how were you brought up? Where were you raised and, and how was that dynamics? Oh man, that can be a, that could be a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey man, look, do what you do. Here's the thing. I think people need to understand, like, you, you know, astrophysicists just don't fall out of the sky. You know, you almost got to have from day one. It's like baseball. You can't just go into high school saying, I want to play baseball. You're already behind. And yep. so you have to do that from a kid from Little League all the way up. 
And now we're talking about you're dropping from shop class to now astrophysicist. And you saying that your grades were, you know, they were okay. But like, what, what type of environment did you grow up in, man? So I'm the youngest of 10 starting off with there. So I'm like the baby in my family, like oh, 10, I have 10 or oh, nine older siblings. Um, yeah, my, my parents both finished around high school. My dad was career military. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm the f- first, to, first generation to like seek higher education. And yeah, the, the household that I grew up in, it was more, I want to say that it was, we were a more religious family. Like my dad was, a, uh, he was like a deacon in the church and everything. So he kind of groomed us or like raised us to like be like strong, like more religious than anything else. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't until maybe middle school that I started like venturing off into like other, other possible avenues. First thought of going to college was to go for music. And I actually won a scholarship, like an art scholarship to go to, um, oh man, Full Sail University in Florida. Really? And that was like my first thought. I was like, oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to be a music major. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn how to play all of the instruments that I can. I was in the marching band in high school. So I tried to pick up at least a little bit of everything that was there to try to know something. Mm-hmm. But I remember having like a conversation with like my dad at one point where he was like, oh, you want to do music? You're not going to be able to do much with that. You need to try to think of something else. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay. So music's out. What can I do then? And found out like he was also career military. So his, his kind of ideal for me was to join the military and yeah, of course. And kind of like, follow the same path that he did but it became very obvious by the time I graduated that that wasn't really what I wanted to do yeah so it was always kind of a battle there like the the the, the support wasn't like fully there is like what some other people would have received for taking the path that I did yeah yeah <clears throat> wow so at any point were you discouraged throughout that you know that journey of trying to find your way, trying to figure out a career, and now to where you are now? Yes. <laughs> there, were, there were so many times that I was discouraged. Um, when I first started undergrad, I didn't go straight from high school to undergrad also. I graduated high school in 2006. I was still in the tech program that I was in until 2007. Mm-hmm. But when that program ended, I didn't just like finish there and then go straight to Columbus State. Mm-hmm. I was out of school for about a year or two years total. I didn't start undergrad until 2009. Wow. So during that time, like I worked like a bunch of odd jobs. I was a server at a restaurant. I was like a cook for a little while, just like different things, just kind of like trying to figure, trying to figure life out. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife she was the one that found out about the pre-engineering program at Columbus State where she was attending and she was like oh if you still want to do that you should you should try this out so since I didn't come straight from high school like when I took my test to get into undergrad like of course me not being good at math I completely bombed the math portion of the of the entrance (laughs) okay 
oh, we have to put you in these um, like remedial math classes. And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. And they were like, so this is going to limit the, the types of classes that you can take. And immediately it's just like, oh man, really? Like, I can't even fully get in. Like, is this something that I should really do? Right. So from the jump, it was like some just like slight discouragement from me, like casting doubt on my own abilities and like not realizing what I was capable of at the time. But again, I had a professor in that class, in one of those classes that I guess he, because I was like very blunt and upfront with him, he saw something in me. Mm-hmm. And his, I, I still remember his name was um, Professor Castleton, Randall Castleton. I had three tries to get out of three different classes. And I had to pass, well, to get out of two different classes. And I had to pass all of them, both of those classes within those three tries to get out. My first attempt, I failed. So now I'm like, I have to like 100% both of these next two like I have to pass both of these like on the first try in order in the, on the next try in order to actually proceed into actually attending college so the first day of class I remember walking up to his desk and I was like uh Professor Castleton so I'm just letting you know now I'm not good at math so I'm gonna be in your office every day because I have two more attempts to get out of these remedial classes and I have two more classes to take. And he was like, you're not good at math? And I was like, not at all. He was like, all right, well, we'll see about that. And like, he he worked with me like on an almost daily basis, like just teaching me, like making it clear. Like he just made everything make sense the way he taught. And then I remember after I like, I passed his class and then the next class I had a different professor. Oh. He kept tabs on me throughout that class and he would see me as like, how's it going? What, what are you discussing? Like he would still work with me on stuff. And then after I got out, I remember he just kind of like approached me one day. He was like, oh, what, what courses are you taking this semester? And I was like, oh, I'm actually taking like, pre, like pre-calculus and this and he was like, oh, so, so you're out, of, you're out of the remedial classes. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm taking like pre-calc and I'm like starting this like intro astronomy, like this like second tier astronomy course. And he's like, huh, crazy. Didn't know somebody who wasn't good at math could do all of that. And he just like slowly walks away. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I will never, I will never forget like those, that last interaction that I had with him. Cause it's like, I like this guy. <laughs> how did you how did you go from remedial classes and and into calculus? Did you so, just did you think you can do that? I I really didn't, but it was it was one of those things that like so I was by the time I was in like that second remedial math class, like since I had passed the first one, mm-hmm. it allowed me to take that astronomy course. And that's why I ended up taking like the pre-calculus and calculus class. Gotcha. And Again, never thought that I would ever have to take those courses in high school. Like I didn't avoid them, but I was just like, I'm not going to need that. So I'm not even going to attempt it. So it was, it was like this whole combination of like people like helping me along the way. And like, that's why, that's one thing I always say, like you, it's a, it takes a village. It really does take a village. And sometimes you have to seek, sometimes you stumble into your village and you, or you have to seek out your village. Mm-hmm. sometimes people are just like born into their village but yeah with me I felt like for my journey going from 
not being good at math and only being good with my hands to becoming an astrophysicist, I it was a combination of like seeking out my village and stumbling into it at the same time. Because wow. these professors that kind of rallied around me were like amazing. Like I still, I still, I actually just talked to Dr. Cruz and like yesterday, like I talked to him frequently. When I defended my master's thesis, he called me like 30 minutes before and was like giving me a pep talk on the phone, like asking me, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, you know, you got this, like, this is your science. Like just go in there and explain your science to them. Like, that's what you're here for. Wow. Not that it matters, um, but was Dr. Cruz black or white? He was white. See, and see this, and that's why I said it, not that it matters because see, when people see something in you, they will get behind you. Yeah, and, and I can appreciate that. I mean, it seems like you've always had someone there to push you. That says yeah. a lot about you, though, because a lot of professors won't do that. But if they see the resilience, the the fact that you want it, they're going to support you, man. And yeah. you 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 got it, man. A lot of people don't get that. But hey, hats off to you. So you you have an undergrad in uh, astrophysics and uh what is it? It's, it's planetary and geology. Yeah, what so, is what is that? <laughs> so yeah, so my undergrad major was astrophysics and planetary geology, and basically what that means is my focus in undergrad was more on the astrophysics side, mm -hmm. but the courses that I took also helped me gain like an understanding of like what are planets, what are what are like planetary bodies made out of like the type of geology that you can find on Mars or the geology of Earth, like more specifically, I learned a lot from courses with like professors there like Dr. Barino and Dr. Brown and Dr. Frazier about how to identify the difference between sediments. Like if you see a rock that has a certain competition composition to it, mm -hmm. like identifying like, oh, this rock used to be like this. This rock came from like an ancient seafloor or this rock was made inside of a volcano like just different things like that and i always find like really interesting like i just recently went to arizona and just having that stuff in the back of my mind gave me a whole different outlook on like what the landscape looked like out there and it's like oh man like this is insane like this was carved like the whole area was like carved out by something like really powerful Look, I, I, I'm not an astrophysicist, but I went to Arizona, my wife and I, last year, man, and I loved it. Yeah. I, I love the structure. I love the, the mountains. I love the air. I just love it all in Arizona. <laughs> to me, it was just awesome. I was able to really connect spiritually as well because of the way it's just kind of, it, it speaks to you, you know, and so yeah. I, I love Arizona. And, but, you know, like for you, to learn something that didn't take your hands it, it's just all like mind like mind strength it's just like hey you you got to look at this and say this is what it is it's not like you were making something from scratch with your hands but like it takes a lot of that brain power like how does how do you deal with like mental health or do you deal with mental health or is that a part of your 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 experience yeah so because of because of the way that yeah because i'll say because of the way that i was like brought up 
Mm-hmm. Mental health was something that I never really like thought about until like the last few years. Mm. Um, because I I very much grew up in a pray about it household. Yep. yep. Me too. And as you you can probably like relate to that. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, so it was always I had this mentality growing up where I had this mantra where every anytime something would go wrong, I would just say, Oh, I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'm John, I'll be all right. Yeah. Like yeah. no matter how big, how bad it was, it's like I'll, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And later in life like realizing like that is not good like you should actually face like the things that you're dealing with yeah it was it was kind of like it was it was like a weird form of culture shock right Mm -hmm. because it's like oh i should actually acknowledge this stuff and like talk about it to somebody how do i do that (laughs) so it was like literally starting from like ground zero and like i'm still like working my way through that now yeah. Um, I have like met like a number of great, like great, like uh, mentors. Like I had, a, um, I had a mental health advisor, like for the first time last year and I loved it. Like, cause it was, we would talk and like, he would help me like think through things it's like, Oh, so, so this is happening. Like, mm-hmm. like, how do you, like, how, like, how are you feeling? Like, how does that make you feel? Like, how did that whole situation like make you feel? And usually it's either I'm okay or I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah, right. No in between, right? Yeah. yeah, there was no in between, and it was right. like ninety, like ninety eight percent of the time. It's like, all right, I'm okay. That's small. I'll just brush it under the rug. Yeah. But then, like when the I'm pissed comes out, like it just like explodes because all of this stuff is like built up, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I had to like realize like, oh, I'm exploding over like not just this one thing, but all of this other stuff that built up too. Yeah, I don't I don't think and I'm so glad you said that because I don't think the black culture understand that enough is that we can only push it down for so long. And and when it comes out, it's unpredictable. You just don't know. And the pray about it thing. I I, I grew up in that. I was raised by my grandparents. So that was the common thing is we pray about everything. And, you know, I had to work through some serious anger issues because of just pray about it. And, same, and same. so so I get what you're I, I identify with what you are saying. And, and see, for me, like as a black therapist, it's like, um, where did you come up with that? How did you figure you wanted to be a therapist? Like, we don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just this is just where this I'm gifted. I mean, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. They don't they don't understand that. And and I'm glad you even brought that out. It's like to talk about that stuff. Did you volunteer for a mental health mentor or they they forced it on you? It wasn't a forced thing for sure. Okay. The the volunteer part is a little bit, it's just kind of strange to answer because it was more like there's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And my advisor at Vanderbilt, like my 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 primary advisor, was like they found like basically like a therapist for people in the in our program for like the minority students in our program to like yeah. talk to. Yeah. And she was like, if you would like, mm-hmm. I can try to see if I can connect the two of you. And I was like, let me think about it. 
I'm good, but you know, like I'm all right. So I was like, I'll think about it for a little bit. And then the the more stuff started happening, the more my wife was kind of like, did they, have you ever reached out to like your, your boss about that? Yeah. The, the therapist. And I was like, no, I'm good. It was just like, I, I think you, I think you should just, just, just talk to him once and see. Just she was see real it. nice about yeah. it. <laughs> Like just, just see what it's about. I'm like, all right, I'll I'll try it out. And then and then I did. And yeah, like we we became like really close. Like we I haven't talked to him in a little while. That's because like that's just like my failure. Like I've just been like super busy trying to get like a bunch of other stuff in order. But yeah, he's even because he's based in Nashville. So mm-hmm. we would meet like virtually. So he was like, Yeah, we can, he's like, I'm still here for you. Like if you need me for anything and I was just like yeah he's trying to like connect me with like an actual therapist here which is I partially want to blame like those same kind of thoughts in the back of my head I was like ah I'm all right (laughs) it's like a combination of ah I'm all right but I'm really not but I got all of this crap right here in front of me that I need to deal with at the time so I'm like okay once once this dies down I'll actually focus on like trying to find like a and you know what, John, and, and, and that's what we do exactly that. It's like we got all these other things and we put ourselves last. Yeah, because we like that's more important than us. But in actuality, if we don't if we don't check ourselves, everything else ain't even going to happen at all. Yeah. So, and how do you do that? Having a friend that is a therapist and you like, oh, I'm good. Because that's our famous words, right? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> And you know you got a therapist friend and Ashley, and you're like, oh, oh, I'm good, I'm good. And I know she constantly checking in. I mean, how, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's <laughs> for I'm just saying here on the podcast is that I know you feel that you're good, and I know you know you need to just sit down and just kind of relax a little bit. So I'll let you deal with that on your own. But at the same, <laughs> at the same, <laughs> at the same time, like you're you're in a place now that a lot of people don't get and and there's a stat out there about um when individuals go to get their phd a lot of them drop out you know i'm I'm hearing that as i get ready to start mine it's like a lot of them drop out because it's so intense it's so time consuming it it requires all your attention and you're almost ready to defend like hearing those stories those horror stories how do you continue to push through that i i honestly want to say like again like one of the things that helps me push through is i often hear something that dr cruzen told me right before right before i graduated undergrad I, I had talked to him about going to graduate school and he was so excited. He was so happy for me that I had decided to possibly pursue a PhD. Mm-hmm. He, he knows like everything about like my family dynamic, like my background growing up and everything. Mm-hmm. And he was already kind of like telling me, he was like, well, he was like, I'm proud of you just for considering that. Yeah. The simple fact that you're, that you're getting your astrophysics bachelor's right now already means that you're going to change the norm for your, for the next generation of your family. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, it took a, it took a while for me to really 
kind of like fully understand what he meant, but he was like, if you actually decide to go for your PhD and you get your PhD, imagine how that's going to change the dynamic between like you and your future kids. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to have a different job, different money. Like mm-hmm. that's in my head at the time, that's how I was thinking about it. But then like the further along into this process that I got, and started seeing like, oh, there's, I was the only, I was the only African-American student in the astrophysics program in undergrad. So when I started my master's and I went to Fisk, which is an HBCU in Nashville, yeah. Yeah. I was, there were like black people everywhere. And I was like, oh crap, there are other people who are other black people who are interested in this type of stuff. <laughs> I no longer felt like the weird guy. <laughs> yeah right or anything so it's like okay so this is crazy but then it's still like you go to a conference and then you realize that there's me and like three or four other like black students there and then everybody else is is not black right like a combination of like other races like mostly white though yeah and it's like oh there it is there's that oddly familiar feeling of feeling like you're the odd person in the room because there's that one thing that's different yeah yeah i never really been a type of person to seriously focus on that but i would still notice it yeah yeah and the more that happened the more i started realizing what like dr cruzen was really saying to me Mm. and i was like oh i'll have a phd my kids will know me as like someone who's like an intellectual who has a PhD mm-hmm. and people will address me with that like authority or like mm-hmm. position of like doctor. And I was like, that's what he meant. Yeah. Because yeah. I had never experienced that. Like, I had never met a black person with a PhD before then. Wow. My first, my first time meeting a black person with a PhD was right before I started graduate school and I was working as the observatory technician at the observatory at my undergrad. And I was asked like, they were like, oh, we're getting a new dean for the school of sciences. Like we need like basically put all of your best people in their positions. So I'm in the observatory, like I'm getting everything set up. We did solar observing at the time. So I had the telescope pointed at the sun like I had a picture of it, like a live feed of it up on the computer screen. Like it was just kind of like doing all the show offy stuff, right? Yeah. And I was like going to be the person, like tell them about the telescope. Like I'm the yeah. representative of the observatory at the time. And I hear Dr. Cruzen and an, and a couple other people coming up the stairs to the observatory. So I'm like standing, I'm like, okay, all right, all right, get ready. <laughs> Gotta impress them. It's the new, it's the new dean. Gotta, gotta make a good impression. And they come up to the plat, the landing where the telescope was, and there were two older white guys, an older white woman, and um, maybe a black guy who seemed like he was maybe like in his like mid to late forties or something. Uh huh. 
you know, it's hard to tell how old black people are. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like waiting for the deans to like introduce themselves because at this point, like there's a group of them talking. Like the first the woman comes over, she's like, oh, hi, I'm such and such. And I'm like, oh, okay, she didn't introduce herself as the dean, so it's not her. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so there's two older white guys and the black guy. I'm assuming that the black guy is like from the, from the school, just like showing them around. So like one of the older white guys is like, oh, let me go introduce myself. And I'm like, oh, hi, I'm John. It's like, oh, okay, it's not him either. So I'm like, okay, it's gotta be this guy. Yeah. And the guy comes over and he's like, oh, I'm such and such. And I'm like, none of them said that they were the dean. <laughs> and then like, finally, like the, the, the black guy turns around. He was like, oh, hold on. Like I'm, I'm, I'm being rude. Let me introduce myself. He's like, hi, I'm such and such. I'm the new dean. And he saw like the shock on my face. Yeah. And and promptly announced it to the room. It's like, oh, caught you off guard, didn't I? I was like, why'd you have to say that? So, so you, <laughs> <laughs> like, why'd you have to say that? So like, he was like, I can already tell we're gonna get along. He was like, um, he was like, here's my card. Come see me. Come see me like tomorrow in, my, in the in the dean's office so we can like have a chat. Yeah. And then I did, and he was he was like super friendly guy. Like, and he he could tell he was like, you've never met another black scientist before, have you? And I was like. No, I was the, the only one that I had met at that time was at a conference in 2014 where I met Neil deGrasse Tyson. Really? And that was like celebrity scientists. So it's like, does it, it counts, but it's like, not the count. Same right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same as like meeting someone who's like at the university level doing stuff. So I was just like, no, I haven't. And he was like, well, we're out here. I just want you to know that. Like, just, yeah. He yeah. was like, how far along are you? I was like, I actually just graduated. I'm applying to graduate schools now. And he was like, he like gave me his contact information. Like we connected on like LinkedIn and everything. He's like, if you ever need, if you ever got questions about anything, like need assistance with stuff, like feel free to reach out to me. And wow. I was like, I was like, yeah, I really you, appreciate you that. just you just dispel uh, the <laughs> the the notion that we don't have um, stereotypes against our own people. Yeah, because it is to be honest with you, we we do do that because we haven't experienced that. We haven't seen that. And it's 2022. And you're saying, you know, up until four or five years ago, that was your first time ever meeting a black. Uh, guy that had a PhD. Now that says a lot. That does say a lot. But yeah. I tell you what, though, if we can experience that a lot more, I think that it would be more common to us. And the fact that you're you're doing that same thing is is awesome. I like the piece, though. You know, the legacy that you're going to to have for your kids, though. Like you're going to do this, and that's not a legacy you've seen prior to you. Mm-mm. So now you get to create something different for your family. Yeah. And like that, that same, for that same reason is like why I've been like, I've tried my best to be as active as I can in like different communities, just so, just so people can like young, young people can see like black, white, Asian. Yeah. I don't really care as long as like a young person sees me in a, in a state as mm-hmm. a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then it's like, oh, that guy's a scientist. Like I, I met a black scientist. They might that they might not think of it like that, but like in the back of their head, like as they get yeah. old, when they start imagining a scientist, I would like to imagine that those who have met me will remember meeting me as a scientist as well as like other people. So 
they automatically don't have that same like stereotype that I did when I met that dean. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it could be him. I've met a black scientist before, so it could be any of them. I'm right. just gonna wait and see which one it is. Right, right. I think too, like like the fact that we are in the field that we are in, you're in your field and I'm in my field, it's different. And I think I look for the same thing. It's just to be noticed and recognized as a therapist, not as a black therapist. And you want to be a scientist, not just a black scientist. But the fact that we haven't had much experience with those groups of people being in those capacities, it's hard to not say black scientists or black therapists. And so until we get more people involved and we see us more, uh, we can get rid of those that black this black that and and that's what i'm shooting for i'm hoping that at some point we can drop the 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 adjective black off the fact that i'm just a therapist you know and so uh you keep doing what you're doing so talk you did start talking about the kids though like what are you doing in the community right now i know you're you're part of the um what's that first discoveries and stuff uh so tell me a little bit about what's going on yeah so the first discoveries program was so I don't, I don't think I said this earlier, but yeah, I'm a I'm a Vanderbilt PhD candidate, like defending in June. Mm-hmm. But I've been in Chicago for the past three, almost going three and a half years now, uh, doing research with the with the South Pole Telescope Group here. Mm-hmm. And there was a graduate student who started a program called First Discoveries, where the whole goal is to take science and make it accessible for preschool age kids. Gotcha. So in doing that, what we do is we work with teachers to come up with lesson plans that have like different like activities and things like that, that may be more, that are more accessible for like a younger mind to try to grasp and start asking questions like, how do you like learning how to form a hypothesis, how to test that hypothesis and things like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in a, in a fun way for like a, like a, that a preschool kid would enjoy. Yeah. And the school that we've been working with in the past two years has been um, Fisk Elementary, and we've had we have an, we've had an amazing time working with them. And Fisk Elementary is like a majority black school, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. And just being in the classroom with them has been it's been it's been an experience. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like okay even just showing my face for a few minutes, like for a couple minutes a week, I'm counting that as a win because again, like they're seeing, they're seeing a scientist that looks like them that's coming in and like teaching them something new. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I would love to see a scientist with a Wu-Tang shirt on. <laughs> Cause I'm telling you, man, I, we can, we can rap, we can talk a little bit, but yeah, no, but I, I like that though. Like, I think we don't, we don't have enough uh, sciences for the kids and especially for urban kids is it's really hard for urban kids to get into science. And so if you can make it fun, if they can see someone that looks like them, I think that all kind of uh, lends it to the kids being more active and wanting to be in science. I, I, I think that's beautiful, actually, for that to happen that way. But we don't do enough of it. And so, hey, hats off for you. Uh, for doing that in your community because at the end of the day it starts in the community we give it back and we have to work with it like that so okay so then now now i don't even think i did this but i want to go back and do this because i want to make sure tell everyone what is an astrophysicist 
And then what will your primary job be as a PhD grad, doctor, astrophysicist? How, what is that? Tell me about that. So pure and simple, what an astrophysicist is, is someone who takes the applications of the math that we have in physics, mm -hmm. and we apply that to trying to study space, things in space. So a prime or a really good example of that is everybody knows that the planets orbit the sun. It were, there were applications of physics applied to astronomical observations that allowed that to that that allowed that fact to come to light. Okay. So there was a there was basically like there were a group of people there or people in the past that were like, we see these things moving across the sky. We don't know what they are, so they call them planets, which was basically like I think it was Latin for like traveling star. Mm-hmm. So they're like, why are they doing that? So they use physics and math to figure out what they were and why they did that. And then they also use physics to build telescopes to observe them better. So lenses, how lenses work in a telescope, just like with your eyes, that's an application of like science, physics, and mathematics. Wow. So what I do now, what my focus is, is I've actually taken both sides of that as my focus for my PhD. Hmm. Since I was told growing up that I was good with my hands, yeah, I actually practiced at that a lot and actually did become good with my hands. Okay. So a part of my thesis or my dissertation work is actually experimental cosmology. Okay. Cosmology is basically the study of the universe. We okay. want to know everything about everything that's out there. We want to know how the universe started, how it went from like this vast nothingness before the big bang to where mm -hmm. we are now. Mm -hmm. So on the experimental side, I've actually worked to help develop new detector technologies for telescope cameras to observe further and deeper into space Ooh. so that we can learn more about what's there. Man, that's a long way from Georgia, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a <Yeah>. long <laughs> I'm curious of how you sell the Big Bang to your religious family. <laughs> how do you do that? Um long story <laughs> short, uh -huh. I don't. <laughs> um <laughs> so Full, just like being fully, like fully candid. When I was in undergrad, when I first changed my major from engineering to astrophysics, mm -hmm. my dad refused to even acknowledge that I was in school. Like mm -hmm. he wouldn't ask how my day went. If I had an exam, he wouldn't ask how the exam went. No questions whatsoever. It wasn't until I moved, like, and it wasn't until I moved from Georgia to Nashville to start graduate school that he ever even acknowledged that I was in school for astrophysics. And I feel like at that point, it was only because he's like, 
I guess this is just what you're going to do. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess I'll just have to accept it. So for like four or five years, no, like no support from like him in that regard whatsoever. Wow. How did that? So, how did you deal with that, man? I'm still dealing with it now sometimes because it's it's definitely one of those things where. Again, it's like, ah, whatever. Like, I didn't, I didn't need it. Like, it would have been nice to have like that support, like at home. Yeah. But that's where again I say, like, I stumbled into I stumbled into like my village of like the people who were like more than happy to support me that were also very religious mm. at the same time. So for a while I was extremely jaded. And I was like, oh, so you can't be religious and be a scientist at the same time? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, or you can't be religious and like acknowledge like me as a scientist at the same time? Yeah. But then again, Dr. Cruzen stepped in, mm -hmm. who is a devout Christian, like very active in his church. Gotcha. And was also a PhD in astrophysics. And and that's that's that was my next question is because I know that you would get that question or you would have to they would challenge you on that. Oh my God! Yes, you the, get it all the time. All the time. Like I even get it from Lyft drivers, man. <laughs> like the number of times that I've had like a Lyft driver that's like, oh, what do you do? Because they're dropping me off like on campus. Like, oh, what do you do? Especially uh -huh. in Nashville, not uh -huh. so much in Chicago. Okay. But in Nashville, it was definitely a thing. So, oh, what do you do for a living? It's like, oh, I'm a graduate student studying astrophysics. It's like, oh, so you're an atheist, huh? It's like, what? Yeah, right? Like, how is that an automatic? Like, why is that an automatic connection that you make? It's like, no, I'm not an atheist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, where did you get that? It's like, oh, you're, you're, you're like a scientist, right? Like, those two things don't equate. <laughs> but and see, that's the hardest part, though. That's like... It's hard to sell that science, if you believe in science, that you don't have, you have a religion. And, and I, for the life of me, I don't understand how we get to a point where we tie those together. And so I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either, but I feel like there's just this clash of beliefs mm. that shouldn't be there right because there are some people who take their beliefs mm -hmm. as being like 100 percent fact certain yeah. and there's no questioning yeah it. yeah so anything that you say that contradicts that yeah they just can't accept it yeah and that's and, a, and I think I don't I'm sorry to cut you off because I think I that's that's the, that's the thing is that uh, anyone that has a PhD, I'm going to my EDD, um, they look for evidence, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's strictly evidence-based, you know, uh, it's on the science and, but then the balance of what you truly believe in as a person it kind of gets misconstrued some kind of way through, I guess, because of the, the idea that other people have, not so much of what you have, but what other people have. Mm 
their notes, their ideas of what it is. If you're a Christian, that you can't believe this, uh, you can't do that. Yeah. If you're a, a Buddhist, you can't do this. You can't. I mean, it, I think it's just a it's a, a huge um, misunderstanding. I that I'm gonna use that word. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. And yeah, it's like I said at one point in my life, I was like very jaded mm-hmm. because of like because of things that like I had personally dealt with in that regard. But ever since then, I've met so many people from all sorts of religious backgrounds mm-hmm. that are scientists. Yeah. And it's like this is kind of like connecting back to what you were saying about like meeting a scientist like with a Wu-Tang t-shirt on. Right. People have this idea in their yep. head of what a scientist is, mm-hmm. what a scientist does, and what a scientist looks like. Yeah. And by look looks like I don't mean necessarily like a certain skin tone. Mm-hmm. I just mean like their demeanor, like how yep. they present themselves. Yep. And there was something else that I like learned from a postdoc when I was like still at Vanderbilt, like when I was still like living in Nashville, that we need to stop that. Like all scientists don't wear lab coats. All yeah. scientists don't walk around with like flannel, not flannel t-shirts, but like flannel shirts with like it's not like we have a dress code when we go to the office. Like mm-hmm. we dress like anybody else. We mm-hmm. do the same things. Like mm-hmm. I play video games too. Like, <laughs> like I watch, I watch anime. Like I yeah. watch like, uh-huh. TV. Like it's not like all we do is science. Like we're, we're people just like everybody else, but it's one of those things where people, like they put us, they put scientists in this bubble. And if you don't fit within that bubble, then they question whether you're actually even a scientist or not. Yeah. Like yeah. that happened to me here in Chicago when we first moved. There was a Lyft driver. Uh, we we ended up doing like a shared Uber or something. And we were just like talking. They're like, oh, like what brought you to Chicago? Because we my wife and I had just moved. And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't, I never really want to say it because I don't know how people are going to respond. <laughs> and my wife throws me under the bus all the time. It's like, oh, we're here because he's in graduate school. He's getting his PhD in astrophysics. And I'm like, like, why you gotta, why you gotta say that? Like, yeah, you know, right. For school. <laughs> I remember like the person who we were sharing the ride with, like, turned and looked at me and was like, no, you're not. You're not an astrophysicist. I'm like, I don't have like a card that says like. <laughs> astrophysicist with like a mm-hmm. president's signature on her and this yep. like, so how am I supposed to prove to you yep. like, uh, that, that this is my career and like you can tell that he was like he didn't just like look at me he was just like looking at like how I was dressed and everything he was like nah like I don't believe it I've so, experienced <laughs> that too so I know exactly what you mean I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna segue into that next question I'm gonna ask you when it comes to that is uh, my first experience as a private practice therapist uh, was in a predominantly white uh, city, town, however you want to say. And um, when I came out of the office, my very first client, I come out of the office and I I had to use the bathroom. And so I, I was on my way to the bathroom and my client walks past me and 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 she says can you please tell me where kevin thomas office is and and right right 
And so I said, well, if you go up and sit in the lobby, I'll be back to show you where his office is. So I went on to the restroom and I come back and I said, let me show you where the office is. And so I took her back into the office and I opened her door and let her walk in. And then I walked behind her and close it. And she was so embarrassed. She, <laughs> she, she continued to, she, she profusely apologized to me. She's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. But society put these, these perspectives and blinders on us to say, okay, if you are this, you can't be that. Yep. And so I make it a point to tell every client that I'm not going to come in here with Docker pants on, Doc Martin shoes or right cardigan there. sweater. Elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Elbow. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to have a hoodie on. I might even have some Tim's on. I'm going to have some J's on um, some Max's on because that's not reality. That's TV, you know, and it is. And it's a shame that TV portrays us like that. And so the same thing with you. So now on the same line of thinking, though, have you dealt with racism since you've been in this field? Oh, man. <clears throat> Directly related to being in the field? I have, but my experiences i feel as though have been very just kind of like typical of like the environment like experiences um so yeah i'm tr i'm trying to think of like i'm trying to think of an instance where like i experienced like racism because i was like in the department or mm -hmm. like in the department mm -hmm. That particular, I can honestly say that I've kind of avoided somehow. Mm -hmm. Like from, I haven't experienced any sort of racism from like faculty members okay. or anything like that. And I, I definitely feel as though like I'm very lucky because of that. Okay, good. But yeah. I have experienced instances from other students that have been very frustrating and one of them in particular I remember I was in the elevator um getting ready to go to my office and I got in the elevator and as the doors were getting ready to close like three undergrads walked in and I was like I had my backpack and everything so I'm like in my head even now, I'm like, I don't understand how you could not understand that I was a student. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never seen, like, any of the, like, custodial workers wearing, like, a backpack and, like, a jacket and everything, like, walking walking around. Like, right, right. But we're getting off the elevator, and one of them stops me, and they're like, um, excuse me, uh, we lost our key to the office. Can you, like, open the office so we can get in and I was wow. like I don't think my key works for your door <laughs> and they were like don't you have like the master key and I was like and that's when it hit me I was like you think I'm a custodian yep I was like I don't work here I'm actually a graduate student 
and my office is right next door to yours. And they, it wasn't even like a moment of like, oh my God, I'm sorry. It was just, oh, and then walked away. Wow. And I was like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I honestly feel like part of the way that I avoid that Mm -hmm. is I always have headphones on. Whether I'm listening to music or not, because <laughs> I know stuff like that happens, like I will intentionally just like walk around like this with my headphones on. Really? Sometimes there's no music playing or anything. I'm just like bobbing my head to nothing. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, I know if I have these headphones on, people will not approach me unless they know me and actually want something. <laughs> so I avoid all of that. I was gonna say, so that's a you that's a form of avoidance. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's like, okay, there nobody's gonna approach somebody with headphones yeah, on. It's just right. rude. You don't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so let me ask you. So if you're on that line of thinking, because those are microaggressions that people don't understand that they're actually well, I think they do, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, so if you're avoiding, you don't even want to encounter those type of people. That's what you're saying. Most of the time, that is true. Gotcha. Like there are there are sometimes where I don't mind having like a teaching moment for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just I feel like I have to be in like the right mindset. Okay. Like the right state of mind to mm-hmm. like be prepared for that teaching moment. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, like I feel as though my teaching mo- moment might come off as me yelling at mm-hmm. some random person. Yeah. So it's like. I have to, I have to like be mindful of that being a possibility while I'm like walking around campus or something in order for it to actually turn out that way. So are you sure you need to keep putting your mental health on pause? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's something like <laughs> I mean, it's it's obvious to me that you need to talk to be talking to somebody those during those times. No, but yeah, se- but seriously, yeah. But seriously though, John, man, I I enjoyed talking to you because I think you've enlightened me on uh the the world of astrophysics and not that i want to be one but i'm more interested in a lot of the young people getting involved in science and uh what i always like to do on on the show is always like to give people an opportunity to give advice like when it comes to the sciences and just in in your personal life as well what kind of advice would you leave more specific for our young people because i think they need to hear that yeah, so <clears throat> one one piece of advice that I can give, just kind of like going off like the most recent like kind of set of questions, is I know that so you just asked me like had I faced any like racism yeah. or anything like that in the departments that I've been in? Yeah, my experience may have been very minimal. Mm-hmm. I can I can give you <laughs> I can give you multiple examples of other people who have had the exact opposite experience gotcha it is very situational the field is still there are still very few like minorities in like departments Mm -hmm. so depending on like where you are and who you're working with Mm -hmm. is going to determine like how much of that you have to deal with gotcha but i'm not saying that to discourage like the next generation of people Right. The reason that I'm saying that is because I want you to be fully aware 
And I want you to understand that your experience is going to be your own to make. And if you go into these departments and into this field aware that that's a possibility, you'll automatically like have your eyes open and be on alert to certain things happening. So you'll be able to hopefully pick up on those things and maneuver around that and maneuver through the field a lot easier. Yeah. I, I will be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, I totally, I totally subscribe to that. I I'm hyper vigilant when it comes to microaggressions. Um, and I do that. And I'm like that for a reason is because I'm always just what you're saying. I'm always looking to educate is yeah. in every situation. And I've mastered, I, don't, I will say I've, I've mastered uh, dealing with individuals with microaggressions. Uh, I look forward just so I can teach and hopefully we can move forward um, because we, none of us live in a vacuum. We all see color. We all know some of the history because they're not teaching all of the history. But at the same time, I think that we owe it to ourselves that's that's white black caucasian um uh hispanic asian everyone owe it to themselves to do their due diligence when it comes to history to learn more about the other race and, and ultimately to come together and so um that's really what my podcast is about it's just really reaching out to all cultures and a lot of people say well we don't want to listen to it because i've you know i have people say well why is it always got to be about black this is an educational podcast and I'm trying to educate black people. I'm trying to educate white people, Asian, everyone <laughs> on the fact that what we're living with is, is inappropriate, uncalled for. And then some of the, some of the time we do it to ourselves, but how do we get better? How do we work together? How do we come together? How do we bridge the gap and just say, we're people, we're just humans. We don't do that because we're so stuck in our cubicles and our little sections worried about our own selves. So uh, I definitely, what you said is spot on and everybody's not gonna experience racism. Everybody's not going to uh, experience microaggressions either. But when you do, you have to handle those things uh, with care because they're delicate and you can't always be uh, the one that's the aggressor, aggressor uh, when it comes to that. So no, I, I appreciate that. So now, Last question. So if you had to do it all over again, would you do it? So where, where are we starting? <laughs> I, I already know. You, my can't, you can't omit things, John. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I already know my answer. Like, just in case, like, are we giving like a specific starting point or... <laughs> <laughs> wherever so, you wherever you want to start john <laughs> oh, that, so that's just me oh, that's just me like joking around but yeah in in all honesty if i could do it all over again i wouldn't wow i, I would choose not to wow and this is this is actually really funny because um my wife and I just had this conversation the other day because they, we were watching like an episode of Bones where they were talking about time travel. Yeah. And they were like, oh, if you can go back in time to any moment and change it, what would you choose? And I was like, I would choose nothing. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I say I would choose nothing is because everything that has happened to me in the past, be it good, be it bad, and mm -hmm. everything in between has 
propelled me to where I am now. Yeah. And I don't want a chance messing that up because I feel like I may not be exactly like where I saw myself being at like 34, 33, however old I am now. <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel as though I am where I am supposed to be in life. Yeah. I am doing what I'm meant to be doing in life. Wow. And if I go back and change anything, there's no telling how that will throw me off the trajectory that I ended up on. Yep. And the example that I gave my wife was, I can go back and I can say, I can be like super like annoyed and be like, yeah, I wish that I can go back in time and change the way that my father approached me when I first decided to go to school for astrophysics, then I would have had support at home. Mm -hmm. If I would have had that support at home, would I have clung to Dr. Cruz in the way that I did? Yeah. If I didn't do that, where would I have ended up? Yeah. Like, would I have ended up with the same opportunities because I was under him? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Like, we, we don't know. I was like, but I know what happened now. And yes, there, there are definitely like regrets. There are things that I wish I had done different, but because of where I am now, I don't think that I would choose to do anything different because those regrets make me think more about my current actions. Gotcha. They make me think, okay, how, if I do this, how will that affect me and the people around me? And I'm more aware of all of those decisions that I make now because of the way that things happened in the past. So yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would change anything. Wow, that's 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 uh, that's deep there. I I agree. I think once we start to think about and meddle with changing how we get to where we are, um, we we will never be here. You know, we wouldn't be in this position if we changed yeah. anything. If you go trying to omit anything or doing something different, we don't know how it would turn out. So you know, I think that. I'm with, I agree with you. I think we're all where we need to be and supposed to be at this moment. And, and so we just got to figure out how to move from that place to the next place. And so, yeah. you know, we got to focus. And, and so I thank you, John, for coming in, man, and really like opening my eyes. And I hope, you know, when people hear this, that they understand that, you know, astrophysics is a, is a thing for one. And then two, it, it doesn't have a particular color, shape, size, or anything when it comes to it. And so um, you've been educated us and I appreciate that. And I thank you for showing up, uh, doing your thing, man. Um, no this problem. is this Thanks is a, this me. this is a the beginning of a great friendship because I'm gonna need you in the next <laughs> year. <laughs> oh yeah, like I said, like any any time, like dissertation stuff or whatever, yeah. just just give me a call. <laughs> well, man, I'm gonna be on it because I'm gonna need it. But uh, you know, um, at the end of the show, I always tell people that you know we have the ability to change our situation only if we f can focus on what we can change. And I, that's a true statement, man. And I truly believe that if we stop focusing on other things and focus on what is in our control, I think we'll be some awesome people, awesome human beings. So I fully agree. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming through, man. And uh, we're going to get out of here. But everybody, don't forget, uh, subscribe, uh, hit your subscribe button everywhere. Uh, you see Mentality Unchained on your uh, on your um I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on TikTok, 
I'm on uh, Spotify. I'm on Spotify video, YouTube. I'm everywhere. So anywhere you can uh, find Mentality Unchained, please subscribe. I thank you guys for your support. We're out.